0: Hi, this is Marty McFly, and you're listening to Hydrate Level 4. Boy, oh boy, Mom, you sure know how to hydrate a good podcast.
1: Welcome to Hydrate Level 4, a podcast where we take a nostalgic look at movies from different generational perspectives. And I'm your host, Peter, and joining me today is my co-host
0: from Original Remake, Mike. How you doing, Mike? I'm doing pretty good. I think this is an episode... I've demanded from you for I don't know months now? Yeah, I think you
1: did it on original remake. So uh so here we are. Uh finally did this. Now um I don't think anybody out there doesn't know who you are, but just in case they don't know about your main show, can you tell the listeners a little bit about it?
0: Sure. Uh I host a movie podcast. It's you know one of a kind. There's not many of those. Um called War Machine Very bizarre. Versus... Yeah, I don't know who would cover movies on a podcast. The show is uh, War Machine versus War Horse, and it's uh, basically a new release. Uh, so for like this week, we would take something like a Money Monster, and we would come up with a double feature that share a theme but approach it differently. So for that film, we are going to take the combined. Uh, cinematic presence of George Clooney and Jodie Foster and compare two different movies, uh, heist movies with them. And one of them will be Three Kings and the other one will be Inside Man. So um, sometimes, as you can tell, we base it on the actor and director. Sometimes it's just the plot. This one's a little bit of both. And if you like that sort of thing, if you want to kind of relive two older movies after you see something new at the theater, that's that's pretty much the premise of our show. You can find it on iTunes, Stitcher, filmscom along with this podcast and I'm on Twitter at War Machine Horse Gosh, it almost sounds
1: like uh, you were giving the contacts for the outro, so that, that's it, that's our episode We're done.
0: Thank yeah. you for listening to us talk about Cable Guy by not yeah. doing it at all
1: <laughs> You know uh, back to the Inside Man, it'd be interesting if you paired up Inside Man with like Panic
0: Room I think we've done Panic Room. I don't know. We've done oh, 230 okay. episodes so far, and I'm pretty sure we've done Panic Room at some point. I can't even keep them straight anymore. I, I don't know what movies I've talked. I'd have to research my own catalog. But, um, yeah, another another good film there, another good Jodie Foster joint.
1: Yeah, that uh, Panic Room was actually my wife and I's for, uh, very first movie date, movie date. Yeah. So
0: that's that's why you're calling for it to be covered. It's got a special special
1: place in your heart. I guess, I mean, I don't know. I, I remember specifically seeing Kristen Stewart and I leaned over, I'm like, can I ask you something? And I don't know where she thought I was going with it, but I was like, is that
0: a boy or a girl? <laughs> I, I've I've heard that before. And uh, yeah, I think that Kristen Stewart, you know, the thing about that though is that she does surprisingly look like Jodie Foster's daughter though. You, you look at hmm. them and I think like, okay, I could see a relation there, which is and weird I, because I think they started filming that movie with Nicole Kidman and then she... I don't know if she broke her leg or something, but they basically then had to start reshooting with Jodie Foster. So clearly I don't think Kristen Stewart looks anything like Nicole Kidman. Hmm,
1: I'd have to see a side-by-side, but yeah, that's very interesting. I didn't know that. Uh, But Cable Guy, you did ask for this. Uh, Before we uh, get more into it, I want to go back to um, the time of the movie's release and talk about some of the other movies and music that came out. So have you been uh, warming up your pipes there to do some singing?
0: I have not, and uh, no, okay, All uh, nowhere right, well, near not. like what Jim Carrey does in this film. That you uh, oh. do not have that skill set. You're the you're the karaoke guy, so you should be able to perform that song. Yeah, tone deaf karaoke—that's <laughs> what it is. Uh, the number one
1: song that came out uh, at the time of this movie's release was Tupac's "How Do You Want It."
0: I can't say I'm familiar with it. Oh, I'm sure. Okay. I, I'm sure I heard it. You know, during that yeah. time period, but that, yeah, that I can think of not a single lyric except maybe how do you want it i'm sure that's yeah, in the song i think it is i think it is
1: very safe to say uh the
0: song that uh preceded it was the crossroads by bone thugs and harmony oh yeah now i do remember that one unfortunately and that's i think been used somewhat in jest now like uh i i see that now uh on like vine or youtube when someone's like sports team especially a rival team is eliminated from like a college basketball tournament or eliminate from the playoffs, uh, the opposing fans will use that song somewhat in jest, like sending oh, them off. I've never heard that. Uh,
1: and the number one song that uh, supersedes it is You're Making Me High by Tony Braxton. Are you at all familiar with that one? No. No? It was only number one for like a week, too. So it's always interesting to kind of see how long some of these uh, were up. But the song, th- this is actually pretty interesting, the the number one song after Tony Braxton's was the Marca Arena. And I'm. Looking I wish I at, didn't remember that. <laughs> uh, I'm just looking at here. This, this was number one for like, holy cow! It was like number one for like three months.
0: That's a long time.
1: This like is three some, and a half months. Some
0: dark days in our our country, and there's still stains of that tragedy. If you go to any uh, wedding with a lot of white people, they will inevitably start doing the macarena.
1: Yeah, that that's
0: definitely one of them. All
1: right, uh, some of the movies that came out around the time of uh, the movie's release.
0: Mission Impossible, the first one. Big Tom Cruise fan. Uh, I like that one. I'm the rare person that likes the second one better, and that one's the one that gets the most hate—the John Woo version. But I still like the De Palma one. It's you know, it's a true spy thriller. Okay. How about
1: uh, let's see here, The Phantom.
0: I think I saw that as a kid when it came out, and did not like it. Billy Zane, purple superhero. Yeah. Outfit.
1: That's the, what, um, yeah, yeah, that's the one. I almost mistook it for The Shadow for a sec. Uh, how about Stealing Beauty? So is that got
0: Liv Tyler in it?
1: It's got a brunette with uh, a horse, I think. It, I can kind of <laughs> picture the cover box, you know, putting that away. Yeah, uh, the only uh, memory Ar- I
0: have of that is clearly me trying to think back to my video store rental days when I worked mm-hmm. there, and that's it. But yeah, I've never seen that, obviously. How about The Eraser? Arnold Schwarzenegger fighting crocodiles, punching them and stuff. Yeah. Yep, American classic. Um, Really bad CGI. (laughs) Uh, Nutty Professor. Yeah, I have seen that and did not like it. Strip cheese. Burt Reynolds, obviously. And I think Mm -hmm. there's some stripping from Demi Moore, I think.
1: If you can call it that, sure. (laughs) And the last
0: one I want to mention is The Rock. That one is a a true classic, Uh, actually a Criterion Collection classic. A lot of film snobs make fun of that, but I think that that is one of the greatest action films ever made, The Rock, so I'm a huge fan of that film.
1: Wow, okay, yeah, I got that on DVD. Don't have that on Criterion, Um, not sure if I will, but you you probably already have it unopened behind you.
0: You know, I actually don't, because they only did that on DVD. It never got a Blu-ray Criterion release, so... You no, know, mm. I can't. You know, I can't watch The Rock on DVD. I've got a no. Yeah, gotta be Blu-ray. Now, The Cable
1: Guy uh, is directed by Ben Stiller. This one stars uh, Jim Carrey, Matthew Broderick, Leslie Mann, and uh, Jack Black. So, what what is your history with this movie? Th- this one is one I actually kind of uh, missed out on. Um, I think maybe just I wasn't digging the trailer. And at that age, I was just kind of like, ah, oh, you know, it, it's it's not the mask, you know, and that's probably <laughs>
0: why I didn't go see it. Yeah, it is definitely not the mask, and I think that's what contributed to it being seen as one of the biggest flops of the the '90s. Um, even though it did, I think it was it was profitable. Uh, it wasn't clearly as profitable as like Dumb and Dumber or Ace Ventura, but uh, yeah, there was a lot of hate for this film when it came out, and it's because. Uh, you know he's jim carrey here's playing a dark character he's playing someone that's kind of a sociopath so um yeah that's it's not the mask for sure yeah he's he's
1: really i don't know Is neurotic would that be a good word for for his character he's i
0: mean you said it's he's definitely you know he yeah. has no read of people uh very clingy and very much uh i mean he's he's uh, an expert in stalking i would say yeah
1: so matthew broderick plays uh, a Stephen kovacs who uh, recently i guess uh his his girlfriend s- said no to his marriage proposal uh he goes on to uh, move into his own apartment and he's got a, a, a friend by the name of rick uh who's played by jack black and uh you know kind of kind of a toned down jack black you know since he is uh, more of a supporting character in this one
0: He's a straight man. He's basically the uh, the guy that gets uh, screwed over by Jim Carrey at multiple turns in this film.
1: Yeah, he uh becomes um plays second fiddle. He gets uh, feels a little jealous, uh, I I would say. Um so I I thought it was interesting that we pretty much open up with them meeting, you know, uh um Steven, you know, uh having some problems with Cable. Calls the cable guy and Jim Carrey or uh, Chip, as we find out, that's is what his name is. Shows up like four hours late. So I'm. So I, I guess you know we're, we're gonna kind of jump around here a little bit. But the, uh, the the spoiler at the end here is that uh, Chip is no longer working for the cable company. So after watching this movie, I was thinking like, so what? Who did Matthew Broderick even call? Is that something that I missed? Like who did he call? Because this guy who no longer works for the cable company shows up four hours later.
0: Yeah. I wondered if that's adding to the uh, nefarious nature of Jim Carrey's cable guy, because it's like, did he intercede on some part and swoop in? Um, I don't know. It's never really clear if uh, Matthew Broderick has made a mistake and invited this guy into his life. Does he like, does he have like actual, I don't know, back in those days, like, is he like, in the phone book? Is he taking out advertising, advertising himself as a cable guy? You know, I I don't really know. Like, I guess if they explained it too much though, like it would give away that twist at the end. Like you can't, you can't really show how that came to be. All right. No, that's a good point. Now,
1: do you think it's Rick's fault? Because he's the one who kind of tells, isn't it Rick that tells him to bribe the cable guy? (laughs) Yeah. So in a sense, it's almost Rick's fault, you know, for even, um, you know, for because I'm trying to think of how the scene played out again because I think Jim Carrey was just or Chip was just going to be on his way until Steven's like, hey, so, uh, you know, have you heard of a thing if I, you know, if I paid fifty bucks, would I get free
0: free channels? Yeah, I, I certainly think it's Jack Black's fault because otherwise, if Matthew Broderick's character had not, um. You know, asked him to to hook him up with you know the free movie channels. He wouldn't feel obligated to accept uh, Chip's invitation to to hang out because that would just be a weird thing if this cable guy just sets him up, like does what he's supposed to do, and then says, "Hey, you want to go, <laughs> you know, grab a bite to eat or go see a movie or something?" You would just say, "No, I don't think so," and you shut the door. But yeah, I'm, because he asked for a favor in a way, then he feels obligated to to return that favor. I I do
1: find it funny when he was setting everything up and he was, you know, programming the remote like really fast without looking at the controls. Like, you know, he's done this uh, often enough that he's got it down. Um, I wanted to ask, have you ever not met someone to this level of chip, but have you ever met that that one person where you kind of said the wrong thing and it kind of opened up like like an invitation for this person to kind of hang out and you're like, well, what did I get myself into?
0: Yeah, I think that, you know, if you probably in your adult life you're going to be working some job where you you know you have coworkers that uh you wouldn't necessarily hang out with or there's you know maybe generational differences or uh just different interests and hobbies and if you're in a setting where it's just expected to kind of be polite and cordial and just kind of go along with things uh, yeah I've I've certainly found myself in those traps where I've been like oh that's interesting and then the next thing is like oh well if you you know if you're interested you know we could go let's go play golf or something next weekend it's like I have no interest in golf but I was just saying that just to be nice just because they talk about it a lot and yeah certainly I've I've found myself uh on the wrong end where then I have to have to do those sort of uh I guess lying Gymnastics to figure out what I can say, be like, oh, I can't this week or next week or ever because I'm, you know, trying to save the whales or something like that. In Kentucky,
1: <laughs> in Kentucky, that's where they come from. Right. Um, now, I I don't think I have anything like that, but there's one time where I invited a coworker uh, to go watch Star Trek Into Darkness, and I because I knew he was kind of a was it Trekker? Is that the the non offensive? trekkie isn't that the the offensive term Is i mean it's, it's it's
0: offensive if you're obsessed with star trek so it's not wow. our problem it's their problem
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay so i invited him he invited his wife okay no no problem but during the movie they're like laughing and snorting while they laugh i'm like oh good god like i keep looking over i'm like feel you... <laughs> like yeah so they were one of those people that, that just kind of like made noises you know while they watch movies And i'm like oh my gosh like took me out of a few times um uh and then, obviously, when uh, everything happened with Khan at the end, you know, I won't get too much into that. And, you know, their reactions to that, I'm just like, oh, okay, I don't think I'm ever inviting them again to a movie.
0: Didn't invite them onto the podcast or review it or anything?
1: No. No, I'm like, all right, well, hey, I'll see you at work. <laughs> That's pretty much it. So... Um, Leslie Mann, I didn't know she was in this movie. So I think I've seen bits and pieces, you know, like uh, Channel Surfing, you know, it being on TV, what have you. But yeah, Leslie Mann, I didn't know she was in here. Now, was she already married to Judd Apatow at this point? Because I know he's a producer.
0: I hope not, because I think she, she was wasted in this film. Like she, I remember that she was in this movie, but I don't know where she went, you know, in the, I guess, the decade before I guess Aptel got big again and started casting her in different things uh such as like knocked up and then eventually um what was the semi sequel to this is 40 yeah the knocked is 40, up yeah. yeah um she's very much just the girl here like they don't I don't think they allow her to be funny at all like and certainly as she showed later in her work she's capable of that and yeah it's a very vanilla character it's just something for Matthew Broderick and Jim Carrey to sort of fight over, I guess, um, and it, it puts Matthew Broderick in a fix because he, you know, he can't really tell the truth fully because of the situations that Chip puts him in, uh, most notably with a uh, prostitute that he was kind enough to pay for. <laughs> right. I mean, that's what
1: friends are for. I mean, clearly. <laughs> now, I I thought it was very interesting that when it came to like um, Stephen's. Uh, male friends you know he would uh you know like i'm talking about the scene where they're playing basketball you know chip breaks the backboard and um yeah it just it doesn't go well with steven's friends but then when steven has kind of a heart-to-heart about the whole robin thing he tries to do right and tries to fix that so uh i thought that was just kind of a uh, interesting thing i guess i don't know like he means well but then and then he feels threatened i guess when there's like uh, male friends around is, you think steven
0: I... feels threatened or chip, no, feels chip threatened
1: yeah chip
0: yeah I, I think that that that's actually a really good point because chip is like you would have to be aware i think if you've had friendships uh before in your life that when there comes a romantic interest for your your friend that that's probably going to take up more of their time than uh just another friend another group um, because as we see in this film, uh, the Matthew Broderick character of Steven, like he blows off Jack Black, blows off Rick when he thinks that there's going to be like a serious chance for him and Robin to get back together. And yeah, it sucks because they're getting ready to go to a concert, but like uh, I hadn't thought about that, that Chip is okay with, with that possibly happening. But not so much with the other friend group, like playing basketball and such, I don't know, maybe it's because his uh lying skill set works better with women. I don't know. they mm. see him more of like sort of sad or like someone to take care of, like oh, he's so nice, like you should hang out with him, whereas I think in the with other guys, they see him as weird and uh, a little bit overbearing,
1: kind of the same thing with like uh Steven's family. You know, when when he goes over there, they're, they're having like game night and he's, you know, kind of a big hit with that with them uh, playing. What's the game that they're playing? Porno like,
0: Password, which I yeah. never heard of. And I'm assuming it was just made up for this film.
1: Yeah, uh, that, that was interesting. And that scene kind of reminded me of like Dumb and Dumber a little bit, you know, where they're sitting around the fireplace kind of playing around. And then uh, Lloyd, you know, kind of like lights up his uh his fart. You know, so it kind of reminded me of that a little bit. Um, so they go to medieval times
0: for was it Stephen's birthday?
1: Wait, I don't whoa. think so. I don't think so. They, I, I thought that was just, just the,
0: the makeup for uh, for uh, him hooking him up for Sleepless in Seattle night for his date with Robin. I think that was just that was the, uh, the followed that that scene. Have you ever done that?
1: Have you ever Sleepless in Seattle then chilled?
0: No, I can't say that I have. You know, Sleepless in Seattle, that's one thing that I do feel like for a movie called Cable Guy that's so much about television and uh, the technology of the time that this film ages fairly well. And I'm not knocking Sleepless in Seattle, but um, I don't know if it's become this, like, you know, great classic. Where like, oh, Sleepless in Seattle's on HBO. Like, I mean, that's what me and my girlfriend are gonna do. Obviously, like, uh, obviously, I think appointment television doesn't exist anymore. With like Netflix or something, you just find mm-hmm. something to stream. Um, but yeah, it's it's weird that that one that coming. I guess what three years later, that would have been. I guess a fairly popular film still when this was being filmed. No, never done that. I have been to medieval times because I remember as a kid demanding that my family take me. I think we were in Florida on the vacation and I found out there were some medieval times around for real. I didn't even know those things were real, but I had seen Cable Guy and it was, you know, it was a movie that I saw I think I saw it three times in theaters. I was kind of obsessed with it that summer oh, wow. when I was a kid. Yeah. Um I I had them take me and it is uh at least my experience is nothing like uh, the experience in in the film, it's more like uh, the Janine Garofalo character, where they're not really into it, and they're certainly not the uh, the combat sequence that you you see here in this. So film. no
1: no pugil sticks and no jousting.
0: Not that I remember. I remember being fairly tame, but hmm. uh, yeah, I I would have loved to have, you know gone out there with like my younger brother and been able to do all that. I would have. I probably would have been more like uh, Chip and got like way too into it.
1: Now, yeah, you mentioned brother. We get a flashback and he asked, like, his parents for a brother. <laughs> and I like how his mom's like, that's what I'm trying to go do. I'm going out to the
0: bar or something. That's why she's it, trying to get out for happy hour. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> try, try to get knocked up uh, out at the bar. So, so that was interesting. So, is, is that, is that the, the kind of where it manifested, I, I suppose, him wanting a little brother at such a young age and possibly explaining why he stalks people to have that companionship?
0: I think so. I think. You know, it's, it's really, I mean, it's not a subtle critique of uh, television becoming, you know, certain generations babysitter. And so he doesn't have a way to really, he doesn't know how to interact with people except through pop culture. And, you know, with us being two movie podcasters, uh, the same accusation could be thrown to a lot of our ilk as far as only being able to relate to another human being in conversation through movies. I, I, I think with him, it's just, you know, it's just an extreme case because clearly his family life wasn't that great. Um, his mom's pretty open about living you know her life and not really being too concerned with him as long as he's parked in front of the television. So, yeah, I think it's just he's just always looked for someone to sort of bond with. Like, that's what's really interesting about his character is he's certainly extreme and I think at certain points in the film, you truly believe this guy could kill somebody. Like he might just go off and just kill Steven. Uh, but he, he's also very sweet. Like he does, even though it's stolen goods, he hooks him up with yeah. a great home theater system. Mm-hmm. Uh, I already mentioned the prostitute that he, he buys for. I would have a different reaction than Steven. If one of my buddies had done that to me when I was single, I don't know if I would have been uh, as angry <laughs> about that whole setup. I would have seen it more as maybe more as a prank that I got all the the benefits from. I, I don't know. I also want to say that that scene, um, the karaoke scene where Stephen and the prostitute are hooking up, uh, is probably the only thing that doesn't hold up for me because I remembered Jim Carrey doing the karaoke thing and thinking it was hilarious when I was a kid. I don't really find it funny now, but what really bothered me is the way Stiller, I guess knowing that there's going to be a lot of Jim Carrey fans in I audience, a bunch of young kids you know, the sex scene or at least what we see of it is just weird facial or head massage that she's giving him. I don't know. It just, it struck me as extremely awkward. Like I would just like, why can't they just been kissing? Like, I don't know. It was just a really weird, weird way to shoot that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: No, I, you're right. She's massaging him. And, uh, I don't know. Maybe he was on something. I who, who knows? Uh, I mean, as far as I know, he just drank. So it's like, what? <laughs> so something must've been in that drink. But, um, yeah, so we we find out Robin is seeing someone else. Uh, that's uh, that's someone else is uh, Owen Wilson playing a, kind of a different character. I've never really seen him quite like this, and so that was fun to, to you know kind of watch get his ass beat in the bathroom by Chip. Um, yeah, from what
0: I've read, I mean not to interrupt you, mm-hmm. uh, everything I've ever read about the guy, this is closer to how he actually is in real really? life. <laughs> so <laughs> like, uh, yeah, you can like like uh, reddit will do those things where it's like you know hey people in the industry you know who have you worked with it's like you know closer to their like screen persona or who like is really opposite of that and he's one that i think almost always comes up as like people who have worked in film and on sets that is just uh pretty much obnoxious kind of jerk so um i remember I, i don't know if it was a local radio station but it was definitely a radio
1: station uh that i heard where they called him for a prank and uh, they talked about his nose and uh, he hung up on them. It was, it was kind of funny actually. But um, what do you yeah. think of his hair
0: here? I, I felt like, um, cause you don't often see it like sort of swooped up like this. Like, you know, he's usually kind of got a shaggy haircut. I felt like they were really trying to make him appear like the guy we're rooting against, or at least the guy that we would find funny that Jim Carrey would beat him up. Hmm. I don't quite
1: remember his hairstyle. Can you compare it to maybe one of his other movies?
0: i don't think it's like anything we've ever seen okay. you know, usually he's just got that kind of shaggy haircut that hangs you know over his forehead and here it's like i mean you see a five head you see it like poofed up and slicked back
1: mm, okay kind of like a ramp a little bit or like, <laughs> yeah uh, okay okay i can, I could kind of picture it now uh yeah I, I guess i didn't really have an opinion about it um Peter. You know, I just you knew uh, I was
0: coming on the show. You knew I was going to talk, talk about, about hair. men's hair. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I think I was just more kind of like, oh, Owen Wilson's in here because when we first see him, Chip is walking by and they just kind of uh, just, just exchange looks, basically. And I, I actually thought that uh, he wasn't even like a, a character. I thought he was just going to be uh, an extra. So I didn't, I didn't even realize until afterwards that he was actually the one that was on the date with uh, with Robin. So. I was just like, oh, look, hey, there's Owen Wilson kind of thing, you know. And then all, all of a sudden, uh, Chip is, you know, kicking his ass in the bathroom. So I, now I didn't understand this. Um, we get it a few times where it's a Sam and Stan Sweet, you know, on on the on the TV. <laughs> I guess I read on Wikipedia and they were kind of comparing it to like the Melendez brothers, which yep. I mm-hmm. I remember that. So what was that about? Because I, I, I really thought that it was going to, kind of come back to that and uh, Ben Stiller actually having like some kind of bigger role outside of, you know, just being on TV.
0: I I thought it was, you know, it's just a uh, comment on our obsessions and how we live our life. Like television makes everything entertainment, whether it should be entertaining or not. And so like the Menendez brothers, like, you know, it's just salacious tabloid fodder that for whatever reason at different points in time, I guess if it's, you know, there's not a lot going on, culturally that we're interested in like the oj simpson story for one like obviously there's a certain degree of fame with that guy and why i'd be interested but should we be interested even to this day to the point where it's a guy that you know murdered his ex-wife and her lover like it's it's not like aliens showed up on this planet for the first time so it's just to me showing that when you have 24 hour news coverage of something that mm. things get heightened to the point of ridiculousness, just like that in the, in the film, you, you hear the tape, uh, where one of these brothers tried to blame the murder on an Asian gang. And like, that's, you know, like everything he's saying in there clearly sounds like someone who's lying. Like he can't even be bothered to provide any other details except Asian, Asian, Asian over and over again. Uh, so yeah, that was just. I, I still think that stuff really holds up because even now, my goodness, like that OJ Simpson was an FX show or whatever is like really popular, and mm-hmm. ESPN's going to come up with another documentary. Like this stuff just never, it just never ends.
1: And they're going to like
0: re-air the entire trial. Oh god, I mean, yeah. do we need it? Like that's, uh, I don't know. I mean, I you can get on YouTube. Be, so, yeah. I don't, I don't need it myself. So yeah, I. What did you think? Because we talked about on. um original remake i guess at this time uh, a few weeks back about ben stiller and you've kind of stated that you're not really a fan even though i've uh, i keep attempting to introduce you to things of his that are very good such as uh secret life of walter Mitty. uh what do you think about his sort of brief appearance here only through television sets
1: uh it it kind of just reminded me just like another one of those um you know cameos like in uh uh Man, you know um things like that like i I know he wasn't like really over the top but i i was just kind of like oh so he's just gonna insert himself into these uh you know news segments and so so i didn't quite get that into what you were saying you you know about uh, it being kind of a commentary on like how the news was and and you know like uh just uh, the oj case of glorifying everything and uh, i'm assuming the melendez took place afterwards right I, I don't remember. It's,
0: I mean, it's a very similar time period, I think. Okay. Um, yeah, they would have been... Actually, it might have been before the O.J. Simpson thing, because I think that happened in 94, and they would have been filming this in 95, and, of course, the script had been kicking around, uh, which, from what I read, the script was not nearly as dark originally. It was more like... Um, what about Bob? Have you seen that movie? Like yeah,
1: about, very lighthearted.
0: Yeah, it is kind of, I think, was couch is uh, another like annoying friend movie and okay. originally was gonna star chris farley who couldn't do it i think because of other film commitments but it was jim carrey and judd apatow who primarily wanted to take it darker and um it's interesting because i think ben stiller was only connected to it because of judd apatow because they wouldn't let apatow direct it hmm. uh, which sounds strange now because if judd apatow wanted to direct really anything comedy related today i'm sure it would be greenlit immediately yeah.
1: Yeah. That's interesting. So Steven and Robin start uh, seeing each other again. And because uh, Chip had a, had a part in it, you know, she, well, he he tells Robin that, Oh, you know um, you know, the cable was all, was all Steven. And she's like, Oh, let me call him and say, I love you now uh, for, for getting me cable. Um, you're shaking your head. Beloved, you, you didn't like that.
0: Hey, no, I think it's fine. You know, we didn't, we did not have Netflix and so HBO was a much more viable commodity then or showtime all those movie channels so it's just a very different world and uh yeah it's it is a little bit strange uh, to watch it now because i think most people would be like you got me cable i don't need cable i've got hulu or netflix like a lot of people are handing over their boxes and it's, it's just cable those type of things just mean something very different but um as i said earlier my complaints with the robin characters are not fully fleshed out I, you know, until she said that, I didn't know if she'd be a person that even gave a damn about cable or not. But clearly it worked.
1: You mentioned HBO. Perhaps she's a fan of the Real Sex series.
0: Real Sex or uh, what else was on at that time? uh, Shannon
1: Tweed was all over SkinnaMax.
0: I was going to go with like the Larry Sanders show. Maybe she's a fan of of that. I don't know. That was like, uh, that was the closest thing you would get to like Girls or Game of Thrones or something as far as original HBO content. But oh yeah we okay. can go with skinamax sure yeah there we are. Uh, so chip calls Stephen at work
1: uh, seems to be worried about him you know this is shortly after where Stephen breaks off their their friendship and to teach him a lesson chip sets up uh, sets up Stephen for uh, you know to get him arrested for the stolen the stolen uh, <laughs> entertainment system and I thought this was funny too so was this a setup or do you think it was more of a favor from the cop? You know, because they know each other.
0: So I mean I think that clearly with the the cop being at the party, uh he would know it's just it's just a favor for, for Chip to be like, Hey, I need this guy to be taken in. Like that's <laughs> that that's the extent of it because Otherwise, you know, clearly the cop is, I don't know, man, as with Robin, you know, free cable is extremely valued this time. You could be like the Godfather. You'd be a kingpin if you could give people free cable. So I'm in this world, I guess it's just that uh, Jim Carrey's character is able to do anything because he gives so many people free cable.
1: You know, and having watched this shortly after us doing our uh, School for Scoundrels, I saw like some some Kind of parallels here, you know, like with the whole cop and arresting. There were some scenes that were kind of similar, so um, you know, so I, I found that a little interesting. Uh, the, the, the prison scene, it, I didn't find it funny. Uh, I think, did, was it funny back then in 1996 where you know, old Billy and he puts his nipple up to the window? Like, because I think they played that entire scene in the trailer where the, the, the guy next to Steven even looks over at him and winks,
0: Hello, Steven, I came as soon as I could. What's your real name? It's Larry Tate, but that's not what's important right now. We have to get you out of here.
1: I was watching court TV. I think I found a loophole in your case. I'm gonna talk to the judge about a writ of habeas corpus.
0: I'll put the system on trial. Why are you doing this to me? I didn't do this to you.
1: You did this to you.
0: You set me up.
1: No, I taught you a lesson. I can be your best friend or your worst enemy. You seem to prefer the latter. I'm just here to comfort you. Come on. Touch it. Huh? Come on. You need human contact. Touch it. I will not touch it.
0: What are you doing? Stop it. Stop it. I know how you're feeling right now. Stop it. Stop it. Don't do that. I'm here for you. Don't do that, Jesus Christ. You're gonna get me killed. Out of here.
1: Oh, Billy. (laughs) I'm just messing with you. (laughs) Remember Midnight Express? Oliver Stone won the Academy Award for Best Screenplay.
0: Awesome, awesome scene. Guard, this is the man who framed me. He's right here. He set me up. Arrest him. Hey, Bernie, how's that sports package? All right.
1: But, um... It didn't hit with me this time. I thought I was going to, you know, find it funny.
0: I think so. Yeah, I remember that being a big trailer moment. There's Certainly, they. I think they reshaped the story to have a lot more physical comedy with, uh, you know, the karaoke sequence. You got Jim Carrey sort of flailing about. And uh, medieval times, you have that fight sequence. And this is just another way to have more physical comedy from Jim Carrey. The reference, you know, if I was making fun of Sleepless in Seattle being a 1993 movie, like... I've never seen that particular Oliver Stone written film from the 70s, late 70s. And so mm. I only am aware of it because of Cable Guy. So I, I think it's just, it works. Like if you were a big film fan, you would get the reference. And then if you were a kid as I was, uh, it's just funny to see Jim Carrey's nipple uh, up there, which nipples are a big thing in this in this film and porno password. That's yep. you know, it's a it's big thing with, yeah, with the, uh, i I tell you what, I don't really think the porno password sequence is hilarious, but I think that's the rare time that Matthew Broderick gets to be the funniest person in the scene because he is so put out about having to play like his, him repeatedly just saying center, like yelling center to his mother when he's trying to give her the clue for nipple still cracks me up. So it's worth it for that it's like he's not even trying
1: it's kind of like in uh, catch me if you can where tom hanks tries to tell the joke and doesn't even try to <laughs> make knock it funny knock
0: knock, <laughs> knock yeah it's kind of like that a little bit what are you talking about i find that that knock knock joke hilarious oh i i do
1: too but it's just like you know his delivery like uh you know he's just just kind of going through the motions like center right. center <laughs> come on you you got this center <laughs> so it, it was kind of like that um but no, that knock knock joke was uh, it, it it's funny every time. I thought it was really good. So after being arrested, he gets released on bail. This is where he asks Rick, "Hey, you know, I'm sorry. Please help me uh, look into this guy." You know, and so yeah, they find out that uh, he no longer works for the company. He's been stalking customers and been using the aliases of uh you know characters from TV shows. And we we get like a, a sequence of him like trying to break through the front door of steven's house but our apartment and i guess it's a it's a dream yeah but the then, nightmare sequence, yeah, yeah yeah and i i was i was like hey did, jim carrey could have been like the hulk you know uh his eyes and stuff so i, th- I thought that was kind of cool like um i didn't know where they were going with that but i was like oh okay a nightmare this late into the movie you know basically towards the end but um uh, it
0: works for me just because of these stupid uh, Jim Carrey running at full speed, look like <laughs> clearly just standing in one spot. Like I don't know, there there are a lot of visual gags that really work for me in this film.
1: That was like uh, Ace Ventura kind of kind of humor. I, I feel um, now now Eastern, Ace Ventura that, that that's more my cup of tea.
0: Oh, no. Oh, oh, Peter. Come on.
1: Even you're, on this show, we're still going to hate on the cable guy. Come on. Hold on. I'm not going to say I hate it. but um, Let's just uh, wrap up here with the end. The the end was kind of like... I, I kind of checked out at this point because the end was very similar to the movie Clifford. You know, with uh, Charles Grodin and Martin Short. Did you ever see that?
0: Martin Short think, plays like a 10-year-old. I think I saw it as a kid. I remember not liking it.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's kind of the same thing. He kind of kidnaps... Um, who's he kidnapped? But but the end kind of plays out kind of the same way, you know. The your, your uh protagonist goes to seek out the you know, the, which in this case is Jim Carrey. In the Clifford, it's Martin uh, Martin Short. I don't know. It, it kind of plays out s- similarly. Uh, I, I feel, but yeah, at the end, I kind of checked out. Uh, I I felt it just kind of ran a little long, you know, where they go to this uh, satellite and then. Uh, chip decides to dive into the satellite, you know, and
0: then kind of like uh disrupting like all the cable in the neighborhood. But during the you know big reveal of this uh this brother's trial, so it would be like if the the OJ verdict was being read and oh, right. suddenly your your cable just goes out all over the state or whatever. Um uh, I don't have any problem with the ending except I still remember even I was how oh, I was Twelve when this came out. Uh, I remember hating that he didn't die. I think you got to kill the cable guy. That's, that's, that's still the thing that I wish they had gone further and had him actually die and take out the, the cable in that general area.
1: I thought he got impaled like the way it was kind of framed, you know, and then it kind of pans around and you see that he's just laying on the, uh, on the satellite. Just missed it. Yeah. <laughs> just by that it. much, you know, that's a get smart reference there. But, um, yeah, yeah, I, I thought it was fine. Uh, I I wonder. Yeah, I would like to see if him in the uh, was it the, the helicopter? You know, the what is it? A pilot or, uh, he talks to? it's like a paramedic. paramedic okay, yeah. yeah. So I want to see a sequel with with them too. See how far that goes.
0: I think that that, yeah, that it would be it would be a very weird sequel because as I said, if you were going to update now, what would he be selling? What would, what what is it that you know what like internet connection or something like, I, I don't know if there's, hmm. and the, the thing is like, even though we have stuff like podcasts, we don't really have these like water cooler moments where everyone's on the same page, like in the you know post DVR or Netflix kind of culture, everyone's kind of watching things that they're at their a different pace. And I guess that's why I'm still such a big movie fan is there's still that sort of opening weekend kind of atmosphere where with big enough movies. Everyone's kind of talking about one thing that weekend um i don't know was, with television i guess it's just it's just in the realm of sports or you know true crime type stories it's very rare now that everyone's watching like you know nbc on thursday nights for like friends and seinfeld it just i don't know it just doesn't work that way so it would be an interesting way if they did update for a new version of cable guy if they
1: update it it could be like he's talking a podcaster you know he he listens no, we're to not this famous enough s- to that. said Come podcaster <laughs> uh, you know like oh i love this guy so much i'm gonna start stalking him uh, and that would be you the the bizarre uh podcast show,
0: yeah yeah that that it, I would take it, you know we're, I still would love you know anybody to listen to the show, um you know, just don't tweet at me too much, just download, download, but don't tweet at me that that's basically how I like to roll with my podcast,
1: yeah, so having a stalker is a uh, I don't know it's it's kind of bittersweet. it's kind of like did you did you, uh did you ever watch that show will and grace
0: mm that's one of those n b c shows, right No. Came after Seinfeld and Friends, kind of. I I think so. Late 90s, early 2000s. No. I'm aware of it. Deborah Messing? Was that the redhead? Yeah.
1: Yeah. There's an episode where uh, Kevin Bacon was on there. kind of thing so uh, i thought that was actually a pretty funny episode so if we had a stalker that'd be kind of cool because like hey they're, they're giving us all the downloads
0: i think the the difference here was like cable guys you know as we see with that ending which i'm not a huge fan of but it, there's nothing you know personal about the stalking and that it's not even a form of flattery that ship Will stalk Steven because clearly it doesn't even matter what he's into. Like he is so desperate for kinship or you know just to have a friend in any way that you know, it, it doesn't matter who it is. And that's not the type of stalkers I want. You know I, I want them mm. to be true fans. And so Chip is just not really a true fan of of any of these people. He's just a fan of uh, having someone to talk to.
1: Yeah, it's it's just really weird. He's so flip floppy you know, with how he acts with Steven one point, you know, he's trying to kill him at the medieval times. And then the next he's like, Hey, let me buy you everything. Let me pay for a hooker and let me, you know, steal this, uh, serial system.
0: Maybe that's because Steven defeated him in combat at medieval times. So he, that, that, to the victor goes the spoils of a nice, uh, home theater system and a hooker. So I, I think that's the American way. It sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. so, do you, do you want to give
1: this movie a rating? I know that's not something you really do on your show, but uh, I'd be very curious to see uh what you would give this.
0: Uh I would give it a 4 out of 5. Like I I think it is flawed. I don't really like the ending. Um but I think it's such a unique big budget studio comedy, especially for this time period, like if it is nothing like Dumb Dumber, The Mask or Ace Ventura and it's kind of Shame, shameful from a film criticism point of view that even the critics couldn't get behind this because this seems to be like what they ask big movie stars to do which is to take risks and to not do the same thing over and over mm-hmm. and sure there's a lot of jim carrey physical humor and you know he has the lisp and such but i think it's just so strangely dark and also really still i mean it's still really funny that um it still amazes me that this was not except in fact it was like kind of a cultural joke there mm. for a few years that like if you wanted to say something was a bad movie you would go to like uh water World, which uh chip actually references saying like i don't know what everybody's talking about i saw that movie what six times it rules i was basically chip for the cable guy when i was a kid i was seeing it over and over in theaters and i thought it was great and i didn't know what people were talking about so yeah it's not a perfect film any means but it's a really interesting flawed film and for me it's a uh it's a childhood classic so that's why i was harping on you to let me come on and and talk about that because that's the premise of your show so yeah four out of five for me okay
1: well i i'd hate to say that i didn't enjoy this movie but i don't know if i'm going to be in any kind of hurry to rewatch it again i mean i
0: (laughs) you know i don't mean to interrupt but i actually looked up I enjoyed it so much that I was like – because I, I watched this on Crackle, like a service I never use. Me too, use. yeah. Well, because I, I, I'm sure you do as well. I have an app where I'm like to find things like which streaming services they're on, and it was on Crackle. So I was like, okay, I'll load that up. I never use it, but um, I didn't really like the commercial interruptions, which yeah. like, are very loud and random. Like It, they, it made they it two hours, the, the movie. Yeah. Um, but I enjoyed it so much. I'm like, why don't I own this film? And I looked, I didn't realize there was a Blu-ray copy. Cause I'd never seen it before, but they came out with a 15th anniversary edition with the commentary with Stiller, Carey, and Apatow. And I'm like, Oh man, I wish I'd done that uh, ahead of time for this podcast until I looked, it is 37 99. Wow. Cause it, it quickly went out of print it is like a, now some sort of collector's item. And so that, I actually went out before the podcast today and went to a couple of used bookstores here in Lexington because sometimes you can just randomly find out of print Blu-rays. No such mm-hmm. luck. I wish no. I had a, a happy ending and say that I came back, you know, the victor, but, uh, I'm going to be on the lookout for that. Cause I would, uh, I would definitely like to watch again. I'd like to hear that commentary too. It would be interesting. I mean, yeah, it's just
1: like, you know, I, I already mentioned like some of the other Jim Carrey movies I like, you know, I, I like majestic, um, you know th- those type of movies you know and even in that movie he does something a little bit different too maybe not so uh, different like he does in cable guy but um yeah it, it's just it it wasn't for me uh i'd probably give it like like a three you know it it was fine it wasn't you know terrible but I, it wasn't as funny as i had hoped it would be and i know it's dark comedy and satirical but yeah just not my thing yeah but, hey, I mean, hey, I, I enjoyed other movies, uh, you know, that maybe other people aren't really high on, you know, uh, Drop Dead Fred, something like that. But, you know, I mean, it, it, that's, that's one of however many others that I've reviewed that most people don't like that I, I do enjoy. But, yeah, I just, you know, just missed out on this one.
0: Um, I'm going to start stalking you now because you were not favorable <laughs> enough to the Cable Guys. So. I, I will I uh, will
1: watch, uh, I mean, I know it's not Gene Carey, but I, I will watch Walter Mitty over and over and over uh, before I watch uh, Cable Guy again.
0: It sounds like you like these uh, comedians being a little bit more dramatic. Like you mentioned the majestic Walter Mitty. Um, what did you think of Truman Show? Do you, you Truman a Show was fine. One?
1: Yeah, I, I wouldn't say a fan, but yeah, I, I liked it. I like the idea of the movie. Uh Ed Harris was, was good. Um yeah, true Truman Show I liked. I think I still prefer Majestic. I know it's a little long, but uh Majestic, uh I, I, I really I really like
0: that one. I'm not sure why I I think maybe that's what I should uh, revisit myself. Truman Show got the response that I think Cable Guy should have as well. Like that I mean that one came I guess Liar, Liar was in between, which uh, sort of went back to his fan base and became it was a big moneymaker. Uh, but Truman Show seemed to be where the critics were like, OK, you've stepped out far enough from your persona, which I think you did in Cable Guy, that uh, they really supported that film. But I think Cable Guy should be equally supported as Truman Show. OK, I'm
1: trying to think who else was in Truman Show. I mean, Ed Harris is the only one that comes to mind. Laura Lenny Oh, yeah. Is, uh, yeah.
0: In it. Uh Paul Paul Giamatti, I think.
1: Okay. Yeah, see, so do you think perhaps the supporting cast kind of helped it, though? Yeah, as
0: to why maybe no, it's more favorable? I think it's just, a, you know, it was like his first drama role, I think. Like, even though he's kind of funny in it, um, I think that they were unwilling to accept Cable Guy as a different work because it's still a comedy. That, mm. That's why I think it was not... You know, it's more Oscar baiting, Truman Show. I mean, I don't think it got any Oscar love, but it, uh, it certainly would have been shocking if it had been nominated for like Best Picture that year. Whereas Cable Guy would never have happened. Like, you know, the Academy doesn't really like to honor comedies anyway. Uh, they did
1: with uh, As Good as It Gets.
0: Eh, still kind of a drama romance. I don't, I don't know, like. Yeah, there's a lot of crying in that movie. <laughs> the only crying in Cable Guy is when, uh, you know, as you mentioned, the, the the jailhouse scene where he's got his nipple on the glass and he's fake crying. So I, I don't know if that would have ever played at the Academy Awards ceremony, but in my world, it would have.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I guess that's it. I don't have any uh, new reviews or anything like that. Mike, do you want to give your, uh, your plug and uh, contacts for your show?
0: Yes, you can listen to War Machine versus War Horse on iTunes, Stitcher, FollowingFilms.com, alongside Hydrate Level 4. You can contact me with uh, compliments if you want to stalk me on Twitter, at War Machine Horse. Uh, Peter's kind of uh, pointed out that I'm not extremely active as far as my tweeting, but I retweet any th- nice things that people say about me. So that's that's how you'll get my attention.
1: All right. And, um, you can find me on Twitter at, uh, HLF podcast. Uh, you can direct your hate mail to HLF podcast at gmail.com. That way I can just forward it to the trash. Um, and, uh, yeah, check out the other shows I do. Uh, we got five on quarter parts.com, uh, the back to the feature animated series, uh, at baronspace.com and also, well, I, I original remake you know on following films so
0: yeah terrible co-host but yeah i mean it's it's listenable when he's not on the show mm,
1: yeah i don't know uh you've done some some pretty good ones i i really enjoyed the the one where you did uh, the dark knight returns with batman v superman so i haven't seen dark knight returns but uh, after you guys talking about it i definitely want to give it a shot
0: cool well at least you know i convinced one listener then yeah that listener happened to be my (laughs) co-host
1: yeah the (laughs) yeah the um uh the dc uh original those animate what is it called the animated dc originals yeah something yeah, like that yeah, those, films, yeah most of them are actually pretty pretty good mm-hmm. you know but i know they most of them are based on like a source material so kind of hard to screw up unless you just don't add uh you know much from from it so i don't know
0: zach Snyder does a pretty good
1: job of screwing up the source materials so <laughs> i guess you're right uh touche <laughs> touche okay so uh I, I don't have my list offhand uh, what I have coming on next week but uh, until the next episode I'm Peter and this is Hydrate Level 4
0: When the truth is found to be